My name is Karen Kaplan. I was the HIV program officer at the International Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission from 1998 until 2002. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, during that time, are, are there any particular moments that you think of as high points or or moments of extreme, like, big success? Yeah, I would probably refer to two or three. One of the biggest successes, I think, that we had as an organization was our role in the global HIV treatment access movement as part of a core group of activists under the umbrella Health Gap Coalition. And we were mobilizing with South African and Brazilian and Thai activists and others from around the world, including Doctors Without Borders, and many people who are looking at why are drugs so expensive and the, the human right to health and what were the barriers to low and middle income countries getting access to the treatment that was saving the lives of people, you know, through tri triple therapy and protease inhibitors um, that we had here in the West. And so, because we were connected to, for example, the US government um, and had access politically to those people whose policies were influencing these countries and pressure, there was pressure being put on countries like in Thailand, uh, they have the capacity to produce generic HIV medications, but they were being threatened by the US government, Bill Clinton at the time, with trade sanctions if they were going to break patents uh, because the pharmaceutical lobby was so strong. So we were all about sharing information from the US side, knowing our policies and then talking to our policymakers about stopping from getting in the way of low and middle income countries trying to address their HIV epidemic. Um, and implementing the policies that they needed to to respond to their public health crisis. So I, I think a key moment at Igleherk was when we were invited to speak on a round table around treatment access inside the General Assembly at the very first UN General Assembly special session on HIV and AIDS in New York in June 2001. And we were the only gay and lesbian organization to be invited to speak on a round table. And obviously in the context of HIV, this was meaningful. Uh, but the day before the, the round table was supposed to happen, we got word that a group, over a dozen fundamentalist countries largely, had moved to ban me from speaking. Specifically because we were a gay and lesbian organization, which was entirely ironic. So we mobilized through Health Gap and all of our uh, activist friends on official country delegations and through the media and we were eventually reinstated and in fact um, Igleherk is in a UN resolution. They had to vote for three hours on whether or not I could speak for three minutes on a roundtable on HIV. And, you know, our friends at the Canadian HIV AIDS Legal Network, Richard Elliott and Ralph Jurgens, were instrumental. Um, later, what was so amazing about this moment was not just the giving of the speech, but the fact that many lesbian and gay activists would write to us afterwards to say, thank you for being there and pushing to speak at the assembly because for the first time my minister of health or my country delegation spoke out during that vote to say not only yes Igleherk should speak and gay and lesbian people uh, have rights but that they spoke out you know from the perspective their, of their country, whether they were Haiti or other countries that had never gone on record uh, speaking out for the rights of gay and lesbian people. They had that opportunity and they took that opportunity at that time in New York. Do you remember speaking? 
I do remember speaking, I was trembling, uh, but the reason why I was confident was because I had worked with Scott Long, my director, my supervisor, my direct supervisor, who was a brilliant writer, a brilliant crafter of messages, and was so connected with me in that uh, treatment access network and the movement that he worked to help distill a message that would really resonate, you know, and just bringing human rights to that meeting was really revolutionary because few groups were working on the HIV human rights connection and Igelherk because of our connection to the UN system, our understanding of how to engage with the UN and who to prioritize and how to advocate was really instrumental in our being effective there. And you mentioned there was another uh, um, success. Yeah, you know, my work at Igelherk was HIV related and kind of global in scale but in scope but I uh, had a lot of experience working with Thai activists who were also at the forefront of the treatment access movement and had a big LGBT movement as well and um, I started working with other marginalized groups in the context of HIV um, and Eagle Herc was invited by a group of people who use drugs to teach them for the first time how to document human rights violations in their community. And this was so important because Thailand was globally recognized for its advances in responding to HIV, whether it was prevention or treatment, but people who use drugs, one in two of them were HIV infected. The prevalence was 50% and the government was doing nothing. So when they heard about our organization and that we worked with criminalized, marginalized populations on empowering to understand the human rights framework and how it could not only help them achieve you know, their rights and dignity, but they could actually document and provide evidence to their government of what was happening and how it should be addressed in the context of HIV was so powerful for them. And they ended up starting a Thai drug users network that was the first of its kind in the region and went on to get a global fund grant of $1.3 million for the very first community-led harm reduction programs at a national scale to respond to HIV among people who inject drugs. And that all started from Igelherk's little human rights training to people who use drugs in Thailand about what are human rights when their government's not giving them to them at the national level, that there was this whole framework out there that they could appeal to and they could use human rights language and they could understand um, the principles of human rights, of participation, of equality, of non-discrimination and dignity. and and figure out for themselves what that meant and how that would help them move their advocacy goals forward. Amazing. Yeah. And um, um, not to shift to something negative, but uh, were there any particular low moments, uh, moments of struggle uh, or, or, or conflict that uh, stick out to you? I think our biggest, our biggest hurdle was the big pharma and the U.S. government at times because big pharma, the pharmaceutical lobby, had so much power and influence uh, on the government and our government was so influential in whether or not other countries would implement policies that would allow them to access generic and affordable medications and many countries were not willing to make that concession they would bow to the pressure of trade sanction threats they would bow to the pressure of the pharmaceutical companies you know uh, a lot of people who are affected by HIV in these countries are already marginalized and criminalized populations. The governments don't care, there was no pressure, but 
at Ickleherc, even though we had these huge hurdles of pharma and hostile governments, seeing activism in action and the way that using our approaches and organizing together across the world around uh, communities that needed support was effective. And it led today, for example, there's universal access to treatment even for people who inject drugs, even for men who have sex with men. Everyone has access, and I think that's because of the human rights perspective that Eagle Herc helped bring. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, how does your work at Eagle Herc affect you today? I feel like the imprint of Eagle Herc's values and the skills that I learned there and the people on staff who modeled and who were so connected to real grassroots activists around the world and who modeled this incredible advocacy uh, capacity. I learned so much that my work is pretty much exactly the same as what I did at Igleherk, and it's still so relevant, the work that we did, the documentation and advocacy, the working at different levels of advocacy, using, yeah, uh, connecting activists across regions and countries to share experiences and I, I think there's nothing else that, you know, Igleherk made me fall in love with this activist work and I was exposed to some of the greatest activists across the world and that is what motivates and inspires me, staff, board, and the activists that we've worked with at Igleherk in those days. Amazing. One final Thank question. You. Yeah. Um, uh, thinking about this weekend, there's been a lot of talk about history, legacy. Yeah. Um, what, do you have any wishes for Outright today? For Outright, I wish that everyone knows about them, that everyone can plug in and support the work that is being done, that we achieve all of the goals of equality and dignity and rights for the people who are asking to work with us. Um, they're lofty goals, but we, you know, our reach always exceeds our grasp. And so I am confident that with the staff on board today, the board and the direction that it's going, that Outright will continue to be a leading force for human rights for LGBTQI people around the world.